You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. I'm going to be reading today from a somewhat unfamiliar text, a rather obscure passage in the Old Testament. And I, I know that sometimes, sometimes when we read the Bible, we get, we get bogged down with the historicity of it or the, the context. And while I, while I love biblical scholarship, the reason that I read the Bible is precisely what the band just sang about. The Bible is a book of stories about people that God interacted with in history and that same God that interacted with the people in the Bible, he actually wants to interact with you and with me and actually wants to speak to us, actually wants to transform our lives, actually wants to change us, actually wants to resurrect us, you know? It's amazing. And so I'm reading this obscure story of Joshua today and the reason that I'm reading it is because the same God that led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the wilderness, wants to lead you out of slavery, wants to lead you out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Seriously, like that is the point. It's the whole point that we're here. It's the reason we're here today. It's incredible, it's amazing. That's why they sang that song. And so powerfully, by the way, man, was awesome. I'm, I'm reading an obscure text, that's right, from Joshua. If you, if you have your Bible, turn, turn with me to Joshua chapter five. When we read the Bible, I believe we ought to ask ourselves the question, what about the character of God in this story ought to shape my character today? That's, that's the question we ought to ask. And so that's the question we're asking today. This is Joshua chapter five. After the people have just experienced God drying up the Jordan River so that they can cross into the promised land, okay? When all the kings of the Amorites beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted <laughs> and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the Israelites, they were shaken in their boots. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath, Haroloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the warriors had died during the journey through the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt. Although all the people who had come out had been circumcised, yet all the people born on the journey through the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the Israelites traveled 40 years in the wilderness until all the nations, all the nation of Israel, the warriors who came out of Egypt perished not um, who perished, not having listened to the voice of the Lord. 
To them, the Lord swore that he would not let them see the land that he had sworn to their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is a reference to a story that happens in Numbers where the people are on the verge of walking into the promised land. They send in spies and the spies are like, the land's amazing, but the people are too strong. There's no way we're gonna be able to do this. And God's like, are you kidding me? Did you not see what I did in Egypt? for crying out loud. And, and God didn't allow that group of people to come in. It was another 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness. I mean, that's a story into itself that's just referenced here. But here's the, I mean, shorthand, when God gives you a promise, don't question him about it. Just live into it, okay? Might be another 40 years, you know? That's a long time. So it was their children it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised, the, children's of, the children of those who had come out of Egypt, because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of all the nation was done, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And they weren't doing anything that afternoon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. And so that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on, the ver on that very day, they ate the produce of the land. So this is amazing. This is like, they're living into the promise. They're eating what's coming, uh, coming from the land that was to be flowing with milk and honey. They ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and, cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day they ate the produce of the land and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. This story is a story of new identity. It's a story of uh, transition. It's a story of a people who understood themselves primarily as slaves from Egypt right? These are people who had been wandering for 40 years. They had no occupation. They had no sense of domestic life. And God is wanting to change their identity. He's wanting to forge in them a new heart, a new identity, a new sense of belonging in a place that they did not, lo they, they did not know. And I believe that this, this is my story. This could be your story. This is our story. So word had spread about the miraculous work that God had done in drying up the Jordan River. Uh, they crossed the Jordan, and in the story we find them doing two strange and very religious things. The first is that they recircumcised themselves, reenacting the covenant that God had made with Abraham, and the second is they, they practiced Passover, or they observed the Passover, celebrating the covenant that God had made with Moses, right? So the first one, the recircumcision, this is not only strange when we read the story, but it's, it's, gotta, it's got to have been painful, <laughs> right? And archaic. This, this practice that we use uh, in our own context on infants in a very sterile environment is, is being, this procedure is being exercised on men of fighting age, so 20 age and older, in kind of a barren land, uh, using flint knives, you know? 
Now, remember, I said to you, or I said to you just a little bit ago, uh, this is my story and this could be your story. You know what I'm saying? We actually have prepared flint knives today. Uh, <laughs> now, some of you are like, that's gross, dude. <laughs> like, you should not be joking about circumcision in church. You got issues. Um, well, so I said that this is a story about identity. Um, and it is. You know, when, when, God, when God made the covenant with Abraham and he said to him, I'm gonna give you a new name. I'm gonna give you a new vocation. He said, I'm gonna give you this physical sign in this intimate part of you that is going to set you apart. And it's gonna be something, not that everybody in public knows, but that you know, kind of in the deepest sense of who you are, that, you're, that your sons will forever know that you are marked with the marking of God, right? Well, you probably know that the new, te I'm not the first person to talk about circumcision in church. In fact, the, the early church, they talked about cir circumcision a whole lot. There's actually an entire book of the Bible, Galatians, that essentially centers around this idea of Judaizing Gentiles, of whether or not we should circumcise them and what we should make, what we should make these new converts to Judaism do. I, I want to I give you a scripture. This is, this is from Romans. This is what, this is what, what Paul says about, about circumcision as the early church was, was wondering, you know, what do we do with this Jewish part of our heritage? This is what Paul says in Romans chapter two. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true cir circumcision something external and physical. Rather, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and real circumcision is a matter of the heart. It is spiritual and not literal. Such a person receives praise, not from others, but from God. You see, Jesus came to fulfill the Abrahamic command in the most serious way. What, what Jesus came to do, he, he didn't come to impose a physical circumcision, but he came to impose a circumcision, to offer a circumcision of the heart. Jesus came to religious people who thought that they, because they had a physical marking of God, because they had the outward trappings of religion, that they were going to make it. And Jesus came to fundamentally shift their paradigm and to say that the thing that God really wanted to do is not, not make them more outwardly religious. He wanted to make them more inwardly, inwardly religious. He wanted to change their hearts. Now, some of you, if you took me literally about circumcision, I was completely kidding and you may, you know, be relieved and think to yourself, this is nice, you know, we don't have to go through this procedure. If you're relieved by that, though, that may be because you're under the assumption that you're living under the assumption that a circumcision of the heart is less painful than a circumcision of the flesh. You see, when Jesus comes, he comes saying, repent, turn around reorient your life. This is why that righteous good man, Nicodemus was so confounded, frustrated. He comes to Jesus at night. He says, I can tell that, that you're from God by the signs that you're doing, but, but I, I want you to give me more. And Jesus, what does Jesus say to him? Nicodemus, it's painful. This, the spirit moves wherever it pleases. True religion is not about the outward trappings. It, it's it's about being reborn, 
about reorienting your life, about turning, turning around. To the rich young lawyer who was a really effective, effective at his work, really, you know, thrifty capitalist. He said, hey, you wanna be perfect? You need to get rid of the outward trappings. <laughs> Sell your possessions, give them to the poor. Come follow me. To the woman caught in adultery, he says to her, hey, I'm not gonna condemn you. You know, I didn't come to condemn you, but I came to transform you. Stop sinning, stop messing around. Stop messing around. Be perfect. Live into holiness. Go sin no more. He says the same thing to the guy who had been, who had been used to sitting by the pool in Siloam, right? He says, hey, pick up your mat. Stop with the begging. <laughs> Go home. Walk home. Go sin no more. I've come not to just give you more outward appearances of religion, but to fundamentally change you. Some of you in this room have just come through a desert period of your life, just like the Israelites. For some of you, just like the Israelites, you're standing on the precipice, on the very edge of a new season. I mean, we all are as a congregation, obviously. But, but I, mean, I mean, personally, in your life also, one of the things I love about this story one of the things I love about what the Israelites do, what God does with the Israelites is before, before they move into this next season, uh, in, a, in a certain way, he, he, he challenges them, he corrects them, he changes them, right? And, and, and I, I wonder to myself for you, if, if God is, is saying to you, you know, maybe there's not a circumcision of the flesh that you need, but there's a circumcision of your heart Maybe, maybe there's a knife that needs to be taken to a particular element of your life. Maybe God's been calling you to set yourself apart. He wants to set you apart. And maybe your resistance to it, your resistance to the pain, your resistance to the change is keeping you from the promised land, from all that God has for you. This... The story of salvation in the Bible is a story of identity. If you wanna keep living the life that you've been living, that is, that is not getting you the results that you're hoping for or praying for, you can continue to choose to do that. But God is calling us to a circumcision of the heart, to a transformation. So I don't know who needs to hear that word today. But it might be painful, you know? The thing that God's calling you to. And if it is, that's okay. So, so that was the first, the first religious ceremony that they observed. It was the, the, the ceremony of circumcision. I, I wanna go to the, the last part of the, of the text. This, the second religious practice that they participated in was the celebration of Passover, the Passover meal, replaying and commemorating the escape from Egypt and the customs that God gave to Moses. Can we re revisit that passage? Uh, while the Israelites, verse 10, while the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. 
on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate, and they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on the day, they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. So the Israelites commemorate what God had done in Egypt. They celebrate the Passover feast, the very one that Jesus would observe on the night that he was betrayed. I wanna focus on something here that I think is very significant. As the people of Israel crossed into the land and ate the produce of the land with which they celebrated this Passover meal, God ceased to provide manna from heaven. Do you remember manna from heaven? Do you remember that story? It was the sweet bread that fell from heaven across the desert each morning that the, that the Israelites would gather and it sustained them while they, were, while they were wandering in the desert. After 40 years, the people had a taste for manna, you know? Uh, I lived in Italy for a couple of months in college and the first meal that I went to, someone gave me a glass of espresso, a shot of espresso after the meal. Have you ever had straight espresso? I'll wake you up, you know? But I, I, I drank it because it was, I was receiving their hospitality, you know? What's crazy is by the, time, by the time I left Italy to go back for my junior year of college, all through my junior year of college, every day after lunch, I went to the coffee shop and got a shot of espresso because it had been the way that I learned to stay awake after a big lunch, you know, in class, right? I acquired a taste for it, a love for it. And you know, we, we hear a lot about the Israelites grumbling and complaining in the wilderness, but the fact of the matter is, if you, and I, if you were to wake up every morning and find a sweet bread, I mean, it would become to you like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you know, or whatever your thing is that you eat every morning. I mean, it, but then all of a sudden, it's gone. It's gone. So, so God had sustained them. He had promised that they would not starve in the desert. But on the other side of the Jordan River, once they were in the land, God took away the security of the manna. This is the pain of growing up, right? This is leaving, this is leaving the shelter of your parents' roof. This is... Venturing out into the unknown where God calls you. God took away the manna, but God didn't stop providing. Amen, somebody. Some of you, you know, you're worried about God taking away the manna and you can't even conceive of how God is going to provide for you in the next season of your life because God's calling you into something bigger, into something higher, into something more. And that was definitely the case for the Israelites. I mean, the reason they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years is because their spies went in and said, yeah, the produce looks good, but I don't think we could take these folks. I think we, we should just hang out here in the desert. You know, at least we have sweet bread on the ground and God provides quail at night. This is good. This is a good enough operation. You know, this is, it's too high risk here. And God says, no, no, no. Sorry, not going to use you. Generation gone, right? 40 years later, I'm going to use the children, right? 
I don't want to miss it in my generation. I don't want to miss the call of God in my generation. For, for all of us, throughout our lives, there are various moments where God is calling us to something higher. I had a spiritual mentor when I was younger who used this phrase that I've, phrase that I've shared with you before, where he, he was kind of one of these guys that looked for the devil under every rock. And, and, and he said, different level, different devil. Kind of this, kind of this idea that, that with, with every phase of growth in your life that you, that you make in Christ, there's kind of this new challenge, this new struggle. And while I don't, I don't just think that the devil is under every rock, I do believe that a life of faith requires at every phase of one's life a sense of risk, a sense of stepping out in faith, a sense of confidence that the promise that God gave me, he's going to fulfill it. That is a life of faith. Uh, for some of you in here today, you're afraid to leave a bad boyfriend or girlfriend because it's become really comfortable for you, you know? But maybe God's saying, get rid of them, you know? For some of you, you're the exact opposite's the case. You're in a grouchy marriage. And in your mind, you have figured out how to end it. Because you are determined that your plan for your future is better than God's plan for your future. You can't even imagine the miracle that God could perform in your marriage. Some of you are maybe holding on to jobs that you know that God's called you out of, but you don't know how God's going to provide for you, right? So you just, you just stay in there, you know? Some of you, God has called you to step out in faith missionally. And, and you don't want to because you just don't know what it's going to be like. And you, and you look around at the people around you and, and, and they're not doing the thing that God's calling you to do. And so you think to yourself like, ah, this can't, this can't be right. You know, I'm looking at everybody else and they're not, they're not doing it. Well, God's talking to you. You know, he wants to circumcise your heart. He wants to transform you. The reason I said earlier that this story, although it's their story, it could be your story, is that I, I believe it. I believe that this, this little scene that we get on the, on, the, on the banks of the Jordan River is, in, is indicative of a life of faith where God prunes and he cuts and he, and he changes and, the, and there's pain but if you, if you work hard enough, you, you, also, you also remember and you commemorate what God has done in the past. And, and today, today as, I, as I close, uh, Kate, would you, would you come and play? I, my, sense, my sense in this season of transition for us is that God does want to speak to us, that God is calling some of us to a higher level. He's calling some of us to a different thing. He's calling some of us to a sense of newness. And I, and I, I, want, us, I want us today to, to avail ourselves to that possibility. Would you stand with me?
As Adam saying earlier, this, this idea of calling on the God of Jacob, calling on the God of Mary, the God of Moses, the God of David. Some of, you need to, some of you need to hear today that the God who is interacting with people in the Old Testament through the New Testament, he wants to do something amazing in your life. And so as they sing this chorus, I just wanna, I wanna invite you today to come to the altar. Maybe some of you know that you're on, you're on the edge of something. You're on the edge of something and you've just been standing in the valley of decision again and again and God keeps putting it in your mind and he keeps saying to you, you gotta do, you gotta do this thing because I can't, I can't fulfill my plan in you until you do this one thing. Whatever it is, I wanna call you to it today. I want today to be a, to be a moment in your memory where you say, I, I said yes to God then to do the thing that he had promised in me so long ago. Maybe some of you, God gave you a dream years ago that you're just now seeing how it might be fulfilled, but it's gonna require some risk. It's gonna require some pain. So the story that we didn't read today is the story of the Ebenezer, the story of, of the raising the rocks. When, they had, when God had led the people to the Jordan River th through it, they took rocks and they stacked them on top of each other to remind generations to come of the, of the glory of what God had done. And I wonder, we have some that have come to the altar to pray today. Would some of you just come and surround them today? Could, could just some saints of the church just come and let these, put hands on shoulders today? Would you just come and surround these individuals today? Because for, for some individuals today, maybe this is, a, this is a moment, this is a day, maybe a date that they would look back and say, you know what, that's when God did the thing for me. <laughs> that's, that's when, that's, that's when, I, that's when I, I, I put put the old self behind me, right? I did what Jesus asked. I repented. The kingdom of God is near. Lord Jesus, we come to you in this place just, just crying out to you, saying that we desperately need you. Calling out in faith. We believe that the God of David, of Mary, of Moses, of Jacob, of Joshua is the God who still wants to interact with us and speak to us here. Not only speak to us, but guide us in our lives, give us mission and purpose. So Lord, would you, would you do what only you can do? Would you inspire and motivate and would you change us? Would you heal marriages today? Would you give some people freedom from addiction, from relationships? Or would you move in power among your people, we pray. We thank you for what you've done today and what you're going to continue to do in the lives of your people. And we pray this in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you just praise the Lord today? As, I, as, as you go today, I, I, just, I, just, I want you to go in the power and the confidence of Jesus, that the God who was with Joshua, that the God who was with David is the God who goes with you, who goes before you. Uh, one, one more thing. Uh, a bunch of uh, our young families from Home Builders and Foundations went on a retreat this weekend where we focused on prayer. And um, our speaker had kind of called us to prayer. And so here in a few minutes, uh, several of us are just gonna gather and just pray together that we might see the glory of God. And so if you, if you wanna stay and gather with us, you're more than welcome. We're just gonna pray in kind of an informal way, but God bless you this week. Would you go in the peace and the confidence and the power of God? God bless you.
Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.